0: us and understanding your ways how we're to behave as Christians and be an example and to be people of peace and love in this earth people of power in this earth so we thank you father for giving us your word today and revelation in it in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 I was really praying about this and I thought about you know God has been uh, helping me to put this message together Because there is an assignment against the earth uh, for the end of the age. And the Bible says that uh, Satan uh, is on the earth having great wrath because he knows his time is short. And so it just seems that as time, time of the earth shortens that he releases more and more anger against people. And more anger as a weapon if you look on television we you know used to be that they on tv they try to present a lot of pleasant things and uh you know they didn't show you the raw nitty-gritty of life but you know and then some stations just stay focused on the negative downside of things uh even the reality shows every other word is a four-letter word and people are slapping each other around and All that kind of stuff. But God has a people that he has called to peace. (laughs) And so in this world where where anger is released as an assignment of the enemy against humanity he really uses it to destroy people God has a people in the earth who is called to peace but the other part of it too is that we have to learn how to stay in God's will and not get ourselves involved in the the you know uh, this thing that's that's released in the earth and so I thought we need to talk about that because there, uh, there is a deception sometimes among people that anger is okay. Like it's okay to, to nurture it, foster it. So I thought I'd talk about that. To what to do when angry is a comfortable place. See, what to do when angry is a comfortable place. Because we need to understand that that's not where God's called us to. That's not our normal habitat. That's not our natural dwelling place. But it is human sometimes to get comfortable in an angry state. And so <clears throat> we need to understand what God's word says about it now we know that anger is is a very uh common and we can almost call it a normal human emotion because it is something that's perceived by everybody the bible says that god is angry so he experiences anger (coughs) But this is not where God placed us as a permanent home. It's not a permanent dwelling place. It should not be a place that's sought. And it's not a place that you go for refuge. You go for refuge to the secret place where love abides. Where the fruit of the spirit abide. Proverbs fourteen seventeen tells us. He that is soon angry deals foolishly. So if you're the type of person who allows I would say minor things to upset you you know and that that word minor is relative you know but you get the the. Understanding um, that I'm what I'm talking about. There's a difference between somebody cutting you off in traffic and you saying something or honking your horn, and and the difference between that and taking off after them and bumping into the back of the car. So absolutely. So a person who is soon angry is angry has made their minds up already. See, this is something that is a mess Uh, a kind of a mental dealing where there are certain things that you've already vowed to yourself if they happen you're not going to tolerate it and so the Bible says that if you do this in enough areas that you are what they call soon angry or easily you're like a little firecracker you're easily set off by what are normal occurrences minor things who doesn't get cut off in traffic who doesn't who doesn't cut people off in traffic and so you know that these are normal things but there has to be some mechanism on the inside of the human being to make them set off an alarm that this is not good and you need to go a different way now some people have never been taught how to deal in a constructive way with anger and they've never been taught to forgive and that's cornerstone of dealing with this and God has a way to put us in that place where we can immediately put ourselves in the proper place that God has for us and and not sin when as a result of anger so in Proverbs 22 24 (coughs) The Bible even tells us to make no friendship with an angry person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see somebody angry, we run up to him cause we got a buddy. We mad too, huh? He says, don't make make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man, you shall not go, lest you learn his ways." And get a snare to your soul. So you see anger is highly transferable. It's highly contagious. And so God tells us to separate ourselves from angry people. Not make friends with them. Not come into league and covenant with them. Lest we learn their ways. Bonnie and Clyde started out this way. Huh? You know the two angry people. They made friends with one another. They learned each other's angry and destructive ways. Now the uh, encyclopedia defines anger as an emotion. That is related to one's psychological interpretation Of having been offended. So this is your take on what happened. See, Anger is the emotion related to one's psychological interpretation. Of having been either offended. Overpowered. Wronged. Or denied. So anytime you perceive yourself. This is a perception now. It's not always true you perceive yourself as having been offended overpowered wronged or denied anger will be the result and the person also has a tendency to act through retaliation Hmm. so you try to figure out a way to get even because you've been wronged you ever have the thought if somebody speaks sharply to you and and you're hurt by that your mind will start to think well I wish I could have said this to him." or next time this see that's the vow within yourself to retaliate and so everybody has some of that working in them but the retaliation part is sin See the Bible says to be angry and sin not. So God forbids this. When a person is angry there is a perceived threat of harm. You feel that that person can harm you in some way. And this can come from, from any place. You know, when when you're growing up, children, uh, if their parents are smart, the children are taught not to bully. They're taught to, uh, if somebody hits you, now you hit them back. You don't let them just beat you up and leave you for dead. You know, that kind of thing. But um, people are taught to defend themselves. Uh, if there's there's physical altercation. But we are not taught to go after people if they say things to us so that kind of is an automatic mechanism that works in people see that's something you don't have to be taught so that that vengeance desire for vengeance then a retaliation is something that comes in the fallen nature of man it's just resident there so nobody has to tell you let's gang up and get them <laughs> you know you think of that on your own external expressions of anger can be facial or body language. You know, mean and angry countenance. In the animal kingdom, responses to anger, uh, some animals try to look larger. Huh? <laughs> and that's what people do too. They kind of blow up and swell up. Huh? And, and my mother used to tell me, you better put that lip in because I'm going to slap it if you leave it out. One more, you know, she's, mmm. Make you get rid of that angry countenance, you know, which is a good thing. You know, you don't allow your children to throw tantrums all their life because they'll be doing it into adulthood to the, you know, orange jumpsuit days. So they try to look larger, they make loud noises. Angry part of anger, people throw things, you know, slam things down, they stare. Mm-hmm. And this is designed to warn aggressors to stop their threatening behavior. Now think about this. Oftentimes we're threatened by nothing. See, there's no real threat here. It's perceived as a threat because it's triggered some kind of emotion in you. So this is why God teaches us against the expression of anger and the holding on to anger. Most people express anger is caused by what has happened to them. Behaviorists say the angry person may be mistaken because anger causes a loss of their capacity to monitor themselves so people can get what they call in a rage or in a, a blindness of anger you don't hear your your hearing goes dull your vision is not as correct your your thinking is not so you're self monitoring you lose control of the ability to control yourself so that's diminished in anger your ability to observe things objectively is gone hmm huh? Many times angry people will set out to justify it by telling their side to people over and over again. Uh, let, let me tell you what happened to me and so and so did this to me. And and that is done to justify anger. See all of this is wrong as far as God's law is concerned. Anger has physical um, manifestations on the body. Angry people have an increased heart rate. The blood pressure increases and the amount of adrenaline that's released in the bloodstream increases. All of these things stress the body. These are stress release hormones that put the body under a state of uh, alert for attack. So it's the angry response has that effect on the body. Angry anger becomes the predominant feeling behaviorally when a person makes a conscious choice to take action to immediately stop the threatening behavior. So anger can come up You know how sometimes you feel like somebody's getting ready to whoop you when you were kids. You know, I don't know too many adults who do this. You know, it's it's bad enough when you're children. And you want to go and get something to defend yourself, and you're excited and hyped up and charged up the whole time. And so these things, because we're so vulnerable. To the enemy coming in and taking control at that time. See, When you have anger and you hold on to it. That opens you up to spirits of violence. Spirits of battery. Murder. All of those things. So that's why God tells us not to hold on to this. He gives us a way to come into peace. Anger on the good side can help survival. If a person is really being physically threatened. Anger and the desire not to give up. And to succumb to the attack. Can keep a person alive. They have a show on television called I Survived. And sometimes you'll see people. A group of people in the same situation. And some come out and some don't. And people who come out do so because they keep a a, an alertness towards survival and sometimes anger at the attack or at the attacker is a part of that but it can't get out of control or you'll lose the battle and so it can help survival to a degree we can escape a threat when we keep the adrenaline flow up uncontrolled anger can negatively affect personal Or social well being. Anger can, displays of anger can be used as a manipulation strategy for social influence, as in situations of domestic battery, where you see one, a spouse or or somebody living with another person tends to control that other individual through anger. So we can see when the Bible tells us to be angry and sin not, it's in Ephesians 4. And that's in our our, our familiar uh, book of the Bible on spiritual warfare. So part of your warfare strategy is to not let this perceived threat. You know something that your emotions are telling you is a threat to you. To not let that rule and control in your life. Ephesians 4.26 says be ye angry and sin not and this is God's standard for that you know in in other words anger is going to attach itself to you you're going to have that emotion whether the threat is real perceived imaginary or uh, uh, misunderstanding and let me just take an aside here and let you know that most angry situations result from misunderstandings there we are not at war with anybody there's nobody who has the power to take your life threats are not real they're mostly perceived why because you have divine protection you you should fear no one you should should not be on the defense you know always ready to pounce you know at the at the slightest provocation we are not people who live that way we are called to peace and so God provides a way back into peace for us <clears throat> if we will take that way so he says here be angry and sin not in other words don't try to make anger not happen to you and don't deny that that's an emotion that you experience from time to time but he says it doesn't have to get the better of you just like any other emotion you experience. Some people experience lust emotion, some people experience you know, eating too much emotion, some people experience want to take something from something people emotion, want to cheat on your taxes, emotions, all of those things. But he says you don't have to give in to them. So it's a temptation or a test or a trial, just like any other thing that attacks you and tries to pull you out of God's peace. So he says anger will you will feel that emotion but don't let it lead you to sin so in other words when angry becomes a comfortable place you have to make a decision you have a decision to make in fact you need to make it before it gets comfortable but I know how people are we learn how to just not deal with it and tuck it away and think it's normal and pet it and you know want to put a dress on it and take it out to dinner and all that kind of stuff and so he says to be angry and sin not in other words you're going to have this feeling come to you but don't let it get the better of you don't pet it don't embrace it don't ever think it's your friend because it's not he says let not the sun go down upon your wrath so you got until sundown to get rid of it so you have like wherever wherever you live <laughs> places where where there's not a lot of uh, daytime you don't have long so what god is saying is deal with it immediately why would you even let it hang around you know you sit sitting there looking at the clock and say well i got a couple more hours yet i can let this work on me for another couple hours no god is saying get rid of it immediately so you, you you can't let it get comfortable to you you now i know we all come from different places we grew up different ways and all that kind of stuff that's a new creature that's no excuse for you know well i come from a long line of angry people so do i but i'm not going to let it i'm a new creature now i'm not going to let it run my life amen so he says don't let the sun go down upon your anger some people have a way of keeping their anger on a simmer you know instead of a boil all the time it's just a little simmering pot there and we have to get rid of the simmer see that's going to boil one day and get you in trouble and it's going to explode when you don't want it to explode because the enemy looks at that and he sets up situations to provoke us so that he can expose that And then that he wants to try and ruin things for us through that exposure. I was thinking about how much anger is being released by the gates of hell into the earth now. Uh, You know, people that used to, you know, used to be that you could have a political. Debate with your opponent and be intelligent about it, and respect each other's uh, re- feelings and you know family and all that. But it's like no holds barred now. You know, people are out for blood over a political office, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, you know, where have we, what have we come to, that we are people who want to damage and annihilate a, an opponent who's just as capable as we are. Of handling the job, but yet we want to discredit, pull them down, and, and totally destroy them so that we can have an office to serve people. I mean, what kind of destructive behavior? If you took your destroyer getting there, now you want to humble and serve people? Come on now. It doesn't even make sense. But we we tolerate so much now in the world. We tolerate so much uh, just demonic behavior. It's hellish behavior. And so he says neither give place to the devil. So that's how the devil gets into people's life by them holding on to anger. It's one of the primary ways he gets in there. Now we talked about the ministry of the gates of hell and and how if you uh, allow yourself to get over on the devil's territory through embracing some kind of either negative emotion, negative thought pattern, or something like that. That you can actually enter into a conversation that goes on between demons and you take on their mentality. They'll destroy you. They'll destroy you. And so we have to be diligent and, and uh, vigilant over our souls to watch over our souls watch over our emotions make sure that when we forgive we are forgiving continually and we seek God to have memories erased so that we can have healthy thoughts about things because that's the real if it hurts you to think well of somebody you still got a problem there you, you got to understand that that's not not the way God wants us when you have peace you don't have anything against anybody anywhere not holding any grudges you're not mad at anybody you're just like God he's not mad at us anymore He's not even mad with wicked people. He wants to save them. And so we have to understand that God has called us to a higher way of living. And that way of living really entails not to be dominated by any emotion. And not to be comfortable settling into an angry place. Or a place where it's not for us. It's not our home and it's not our permanent home. Matthew five twenty two tells us if we're angry with our brother without a cause, it's the same thing as murder. Got me? Because what what you're doing is you're cutting that person off from fellowship with you and the life flow of God. And we're not allowed to do that. We're only allowed to love people. We're not allowed to retaliate, cut them off, get even, whatever. Titus one seven tells us not to be soon angry. In other words don't be a hothead. Don't be somebody with a chip on their shoulder. You know you walk into a place and you look for somebody to look at you wrong. (laughs) He talks specifically about the qualifications for a bishop, an overseer, a pastor. A bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Not self-willed. Not soon angry. Not given to wine, nor striker, nor, give, nor given to filthy lucre. But a lover of hospitality, love people, love having them over, love doing things for them. A lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. Holding fast the faithful word, as he has been taught. So there is a high standard. That God has for people who work over his people. Oversee his people. He wants them to be people. Who yield to the fruit of the spirit. Versus people who yield to angry emotions especially. So he can't be a man that... Has a, a, a soul that's tormented. That's angry. That's upset. That's full of darkness. You've got to be somebody that's pure in their heart. And in their mind. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the spirit is long suffering. Or patience. A patient person can tolerate an offense. Without going off. Hmm? Without showing it, without internalizing it. They know that it's mostly imaginary. These things are perceived as wrong. They're not wrong all the time. Oftentimes we are wronged. Well, sometimes we are wronged, and wronged a lot. Oral Roberts had a quick temper, he said, when he was younger, he first started in the ministry. And he said that God had to develop him and teach him how not to give in and give vent to that but he wound up being one of the most compassionate ministers that we know because of his great healing ministry and how he sat for hours laying hands individually on people you can't do that if you're you're angry easily i mean the anointing will do the work but it can't cover a bad character see that character has to be yielded to god so God developed him. He took him from a person and he admits that he, he had a bad temper. But he said that God was able to, through the things that he suffered and the things that he went through. See, this is the other part. You've got to go through in order to get through. So if you have a difficult time with temper, you're going to be under the authority of people going to vex you quite a bit. See, that's, that's how you get through it. That's how you, you develop that tolerance, that long-suffering, that ability to, to withstand. It's not by escaping these trials that you overcome. It's by confronting them head-on. So God will put you in situations that will try you for a long time. It's called long-suffering. Mm-hmm. Tried for a long time sometimes we feel that one situation is a trial for us and that may ease up for a while and then another one comes along and so you need to know that we are under constant development as far as God is concerned there are always challenges and always tests and always opportunities for us to yield to the fruit of the spirit rather than a fleshly or carnal emotion so God wants us to choose you got to make a decision. So when anger, angry is a comfortable place. You need to make a decision. Because God has called us to peace. So when you make the decision. Then God can undertake for you. But he cannot undertake for you. Until you make that decision. So Habakkuk 2 tells us. That the prayer of Habakkuk was for God. That in his wrath. That he would remember mercy when you're angry and flipping off because you think somebody's you know they need to go to the electric chair because they jumped in front of you and (laughs) in the turning lane got me remember mercy Mm? Let, let that come to your memory as something God gives you to draw you back into understanding his ways anger sometimes people use as an attention getting mechanism because they see people flock around them and you know all this kind of stuff. And and so if, if you're not taught not to gain attention through negative things. Then God will have to teach you that that's not going to work for you. Anger <clears throat> is also an emotional reaction to internal conflict. And see this is the main issue with us is that it's not so much on what's happening to us. On the outside in these circumstances, but it's something internal. That there's some striving inside, there's some conflict inside, there's something inside of us that keeps us uh, sensitive to offense and we react in an angry fashion. Often, this internal conflict is unrelated to our present situation, but oftentimes, people have made it a comfortable place. You know we sometimes wear it like a badge. You know if you talk to people sometimes they 'll tell you their their history before they met the lord and and you know they 're not uh delivered from that yet they 're still holding on to it as though it 's a reality and so in in allowing God to bring us out of that comfortable angry place into peace we have to be able and willing to confront these things as past things not current things they are past things and consider them nailed to the cross they have no power over us anymore and if we will come out of that and quit feeling sorry for ourselves and using that as an excuse to not be everything God wants us to be. You got me? Sometimes people think they're entitled to feel sorry for themselves because of things that happened to us. But the Bible tells us that these things are common to man. You're, you're not an extraordinary case. No, you, there's so many people out here like you. And so God doesn't want us to glorify the enemy by staying a, you know, a prisoner to a past that he's delivered us from so we need to understand then that anger is controllable when god tells us to control our anger then we need to accept the fact that it's controllable that you don't have to make excuses for it get your pillow out make a bed with it go lay down with your angry feelings and nurse them but you can make a decision not to go that route and go God's way so anger we know is a trigger to thoughts and emotions so one situation that that stirs an angry feeling will also trigger other thoughts and stir up other thoughts in us. So sometimes if you're angry about one thing. You know how your mind will take you down the road to this thing that upsets you. And that thing that upsets you. And you start visiting all these little angry doors in your mind. And so God wants us not to do that. That's sin. For us to begin to nurture anger. And justify it and foster it is wrong. That's not right you may even have other people around you who can encourage you then yeah you know i mean uh, that's wrong they shouldn't have done that and all this kind of stuff and i know sometimes as christians we want to help people but you've got to end it with let's pray and get rid of this see the people who are the let's pray and get rid of us those are always the mean people see they they don't understand and you don't know oh, well, this is normal You see you're not letting me be normal no I'm not letting you be in sin because the, you're going to have to pay for this if you continue down this road so we need to control our anger and stay out of sin and retaliation sometimes people are angry and they express it by negati- what we call negativity. They're interested in the the darker aspects of a conversation. Rather than the joy and the peace and the contentment. Because those conversations are relatively short. Well, I'm going to take a drink of water. Because I see I've lost some of you already. Long conversations are often seldom good. You see how long it takes to give a testimony three minutes and <laughs> give the details and move on but oftentimes long conversations are are dark hmm? bordering on darkness you talk about problems you talk about what somebody's going through who doesn't have this and who who's not here and it's these are are negative and they're dark because they don't glorify god so hear me when i say it long conversations are seldom edifying seldom seldom because it doesn't take you long to talk about the goodness of God, what He's done in somebody's life, or, you know, so and so got healed, and God healed them at the meeting, blah, 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 and you go on. So when you start huddling, be careful, because then the enemy's trying to feed something dark on the inside of you and pretty soon what, what started out is kind of you're in a peaceful mood now all of a sudden you're starting to get stirred up on the inside but there's you know little dross from the bottom of the pool getting stirred up in the clear water and so we have to be careful that our conversations are edifying and they're pleasing to God our thoughts have to be pleasing to God sometimes people can tell by the way we look That we've found something they're interested in. You know some little nugget about somebody who's not doing right. This person claims to be a Christian and they're not doing this right. So forth and so on. We can't afford to indulge in that. You know you just really can't. Because those things begin to compromise the healthy condition of your soul. And they will make you uh, a more justifiable to negative feelings. See, it's easy then for something to happen to trigger an angry response, and then it feels justified because your soul's already darkened by a bunch of junk that shouldn't be in there. So when we decide to be angry beyond God's instruction, we open the gates of hell, and then the voices of hell begin to minister to us. We talked about the concourse at the gates of hell. You know, so and so's no good. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They call themselves a minister, and look at them and all this kind of stuff. You know, you have to be careful when you hear bad news about somebody. What you do with it? You know, you go on the internet or something, and you see something negative about somebody who's a minister. Well, what did you do with that? Did you pray about it? Keep it to yourself, or did you send an email to five people? And mention it to several people. See that wasn't your job to do that. Just wasn't. Wasn't. And so we have to be careful. That the darkness. That's in our soul. Doesn't fester. Because pretty soon. It'll start to get into anger again. As you're a little bit offended already. That this person calls themselves a preacher. And look at what they did. Huh? You don't know what they did. Huh? Because they don't know what you did, your sin is between you and God, and their sin should be between them and God. but see and when you sin, you don't offend me, you offend God's law. you know you understand what I'm saying it's I'm not holy, I don't have a law that I'm judging from. I'm a human being like you trying to stay out of trouble, and so we have no no business judging one another. Mm? no business whatsoever. Touching the anointed has gotten to be a common thing now. Whereas people used to really respect that God would take care of any trouble between his servants or among his servants and, and we could go on and live a wonderful life. But now it's gotten to be everybody's business to delve in and make a big deal over, you know? So when anger is a comfortable place, you need to make a decision to move out. Take all your clothes, take your teddy bear, your snuggies, take take your mattress and your, you know, like Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk and walk away from it. Because you can leave anger right in the place where you picked it up, never to let it influence your life anymore. So once a decision is made, then repentance can be granted to you by God repentance must be granted you just don't say well i repent and then you just go on and do the same thing over and over again there, there has to be a sobering that comes to your soul where you deal with god in honesty you talk to him about it you you tell him you're sorry you see where in the word you're violating god's law and you're hurting god and hurting your relationship with him and so you deal with it like that. Many times we don't quite quote unquote "get over things because we don't know if repentance is granted or not. See, because the devil wants you to to operate in anger and offend somebody or retaliate or get to try to get somebody back, so to think, so that then he can put the condemnation on you and begin to torment you. Yeah. And so and we've all done things we regret doing. In anger we've all done things that we wish we hadn't done and so once that happens then then we step over into his territory and he uses condemnation then you fear other retaliation you're just a tormented person it's all because you decided not to make the decision to obey God we have to step out of these things uh, they can't be comfortable for us anymore there's too much that God wants to do through his people that he has to do it through a peaceful people and a people who seek peace and understand that nobody's intimidated by your angry face you got me I mean that just doesn't work in God's kingdom see those little gangster tactics and all that kind of stuff that's not for here it's not for God's house and so we we have to understand that there is a way out of hell's devices if it's a pattern in your life you can break it if it came into your life you think through trauma but you know trauma might have triggered uh more of it but it's always been there so we have to deal with it as something that's always been there we probably never ever dealt with But God's coming for it because he wants power in his church. He wants the power of his love in the church. And you cannot be a loving person if you're easily offended. The Bible says love is not touchy. It's not quickly offended. It's not soon angry. But love is patient and kind. It's long suffering. And it's loving. And it's, it's able to empower us to encompass us to heal. To restore, to to give breakthroughs to people, and so when when we see that coming, uh, then then we need to understand that God is working with us to get this out. You know, it's has gotta go. And so when many times, you know, we've we've walked into God's power, and then the the next time you look up, you're being challenged by an emotional. Issue. It's because God has shown you. Now look, I put my power on you, and I want to use you this way, but I can't do it consistently if you keep blowing up like this. You got me. And so, the same by the same power, you know, almost in the same week, God will use you to do something wonderful, and then you'll find yourself blowing up at somebody for no reason. And it's because He wants to show you. He shows you the difference. Make your choice are you a man and woman of God who wants to bring healing as compassion and long suffering or are you somebody that's easily offended wants to blow up because you feel offended or you feel you've been wronged or denied something that you're supposed to have and so we have to make these decisions folks. Consistently, constantly, life is a a, a a series of constant decisions based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and we all find ourselves in all kinds of circumstances, so I thought i 'd share a little bit with you about how God Helped me get out of an angry place. When I, when I was first saved. I, I, you all know most of my testimony. And I'm not going to labor it long. So don't go to sleep. And don't go get a pop. And everybody want to get a bag of popcorn. We ain't selling popcorn in here today. By thinking about y'all. <laughs> God told me to tell it. I'll tell it. But I was captured by anger because major anger because of conflict in my marriage. My husband had told me he didn't want to be married anymore. Now he had been married before. We weren't saved. He'd been married before I hadn't. So I went into the marriage thinking that, you know, it's oh we're gonna be till death do his part. I meant it. I felt that he meant it. So the first offense that came to me came because there seemed to be Uh, somebody who didn't keep their word to me now just familiar I had a dad who was a drinker and he would give us come in tell us all kinds of things we're going to do and we never did them he never kept his word so already I'm angry you got me I'm angry because somebody I have a history of people not keeping their word to me And so when it looked like he was breaking his word, that anger started to grow, get bigger and bigger. Now, I'm not a Christian. I don't know how to deal with it. So I just had to deal with it in any way that I could. So I decided that because he was wrong and I was trying to hold on to the marriage, that my anger was justified. See, that's mistake number one if there's an emotion that's stressing your body and causing you harm don't be stupid by justifying it see it's crazy to justify it's like telling you know well I know I got cancer because you know I smoked don't justify that thing staying there You understand what I'm saying? I got AIDS because I live. Don't justify that thing staying there. It's just as crazy to justify some illness eating away at your body as it is to justify anger staying there. And so the only way I knew how to hold on to my sanity and my self-righteousness was to stay angry with him. Because here he was breaking his promise and I was trying to hold on. If he's wrong then I can remain angry. See that's the problem that people have. Somebody who's wrong. If they're wrong. If they've wronged you. Then it's okay for you to remain angry. Because mistakenly we think that we are harming that individual. By holding them in anger. Some kind of contempt. Mm -hmm. So we become judge, jury and executioner. See This is a judgmental spirit. Hmm? Anger always carries with it some type of judgmentalism. So people who are often angry. You know they flare up in their minds at certain things they see. There's a judgment there. Hmm? Now you can make the decision to let go of your judgment. Just relax it. Just get rid of it. Just let it go. You know. Well, I'm not gonna judge that. You know. Oftentimes Christians get into that nonsense. They see other Christians doing things and they don't think it's right. No old religious spirit. And so we we can get ourselves into trouble because there's anger there when we when these imaginary laws that we have get violated and we get angry at people because they're just being themselves. You know sometimes people come to church and their attitude's not right. Or they seem to want a lot of attention. Or you know they don't maybe dress the way you think they ought to dress coming to the Lord. I mean there's all kind of crazy ways to upset yourself through your own standards of judgment. And they change. See in the days when you used to come in and you were the funny person. Everybody loved you helped you those that judged you you know they they didn't you seem to get close to you and sometimes when we get in a position then when we can think we can judge we really lay it on people so you've got to release your judgment. You've got to let go of your judgment. You've got to learn how to handle these things that come into you because they're imaginary wrongs. It's not wrong for somebody to come to church and, and, and you know, want attention and, you know, talk loud and all these kinds of things. It's not wrong. Thank God they came. Amen. And thank God they won't be like you one day. Because if they keep being themselves. God will straighten them out. See you won't be able to get get your hands on them. So it's wrong. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) God delivered me from Pharisees. You know. So whenever we perceive the other party is wrong. And we're right. We're wrong. 100% wrong. Because that person has their perceptions too. They have their perceptions as well. Really when there is a breakdown in a marriage. There is only a breakdown in the person's commitment and resolve to keep that marriage together. That is what it is. Because if you make your vows before God. He has pledged to keep you together. He's pledged that. And so, what people, where they make the mistake, and what I didn't, well, I didn't know the Lord. I I know sometimes people can use that too much of an excuse because you do know right from wrong. But you have no power to make things right with that person. So, you can't really talk to them because every conversation winds up in an argument. So, you withdraw. And so, I began to withdraw and I remained angry. And so hell's ministry of torment began in my life. The enemy began to tell me that I w- he was divorcing me because I was no good. Now I would have thoughts like that as a child. Whenever my parents would argue and my dad wouldn't wasn't faithful with the money. The thought would come to me well, well you don't have that because they don't like you and you're no good. Your parents don't love you. You see what I'm saying? So the now my parents never said that they didn't. They did not bring that to me. The devil brought that to me. You understand what I'm saying? Some things are not your parents' fault. Just get over it. And so when when hell starts to begin to torment you, you don't have a recourse then. You've got to get supernatural help and supernatural deliverance. See, where before you were just angry a little bit or upset about this or upset about that, you know. Thank God for parents who correct children when they have tantrums and they get out of order. All that kind of stuff. Thank God for that. Because you don't have to carry that into adulthood. See, where you can't keep a job because you don't get along with anybody. Because you always think somebody's trying to steal something from you or take something from you or they don't want you to do this or they don't want you to do that. Thank God for that because you don't carry those things into adulthood. So, Hell's ministry of torment began, and I began the process of blaming myself just like I did when I was smaller. See, you actually retreat. Into a child's mentality when you have uncontrolled anger. You need somebody to correct you then. You need help. And so every day I chose to encourage the torment and the anger through self-pity. As playing rehearsing over and over again. Well you know and I met him he said this and that and the other. And now look at us and how did we get here. And all that stuff you self pity plays over and over and over again in your mind. So I began to even choose music that was sad. Lamenting and pitiful and you know all of that kind of stuff. Just because to keep that going see as long as i felt if i could justify my anger in some way i felt superior i felt better i felt like you know i wasn't the bad one there was nothing wrong with me now listen If you're in a real situation and your spouse is that upset with you, you need to find out what the problem really is. I mean you can't, see this is a form of denial. You know you can deny that there's anything really wrong that you can help through changing your own behavior. See that's what the person, angry person doesn't want to do. That's what the person in pity doesn't want to do. They don't want to find out if there's anything specific that this person is angry with me or disappointed with me about that I can change. So that we can have a better marriage or we can reconcile or something like that. It shocks me how many Christians are praying for reconciliation and never even go to God and consider that they might have disappointed the spouse in some way. You understand me? And so it's, it's all the self-righteousness that comes with this anger and indignation. Uh, you got to dig yourself out of that one day. You understand me? It's a, it's a big hole you can dig for yourself. As deep as hell if you want it to be. So I began to cut myself off from happy people. I wanted to be around grumblers, complainers. You know people who lived on the dark side as a choice because i didn't want to leave that comfortable place of being angry all the time didn't want to leave it i w- it was my spot i earned it i was right and he was wrong and i was gonna hold on hmm? wasn't gonna let go normal people didn't understand what you were going through they didn't know what what it was like and how tortured you are and all this kind of stuff and so finally it ended in a severe depression all of this torment from the enemy began to convince me that I was a worthless person and I became became what they call clinically depressed sometimes when you start to daydream too much when you withdraw you can't focus on real things you gotta watch yourself you're a believer. you, you got to watch yourself. Because these are old spirits. Familiar spirits. They'll come and visit you when you're having difficulty and trouble. And they'll pull you away from the life that God has died for you to receive. See that that's your natural habitat, is where there's joy and there's peace and there's righteousness and there's the fruit of the spirit and every good thing that your spirit needs to nurture and grow. But if you withdraw yourself from that, you know, you want to be around down people, you know, somebody's always got a negative conversation, something to say about somebody, then you'll find yourself locked up with with no key to come out of. See, you can make a decision at any time. But your mind sometimes won't go to that decision. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us. That all of these testing situations. Temptations. Trials. Are common. He says there's no temptation. Hmm? That's taken you. But such as is common to man. But God is Faithful. Thank God for a faithful God. Thank God for a God who sees where you are. And if you would dare cry out to him he will send help for you. And he says he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That means you'll be able to have joy. You'll be able to have peace. You'll be able any situation that comes to you should not and does not have the authority or the power to steal your peace. You don't have to be an angry person. You don't have to feel like life is unfair to you. Or or all of this stuff is just too much. You know you can't handle it. That's a lie from hell. Jesus has already handled it for you. He said cast your cares on me. I care for you. And I don't care if you have to do it every five minutes. Sometimes the devil hits you so intense every five minutes you're casting cares, but you will if you take that stand and refuse to let the devil make you comfortable being angry, then you will be able to to uh, to bear it. The Bible says that you have a way of escape. You escape into the realm of the spirit. You escape into the fruit of the spirit. You escape into peace. So, the way of escape to bear the harsh realities of life is provided for us, folks. You must make a decision to make escaping temptation a way of life for you, or you won't survive the common testings and trials of life. You get stuck there down a bad road, tormented by the enemy. You don't have to bear his torment. I remember reading that scripture about the servant who had uh, who uh, a man had owed him a little bit of money and he refused to forgive him but uh, by the same token he owed a great sum and and the Lord forgave him a large debt and he refused to give this man a little sum that's what the offenses of life are a little small sum that's owed us you got me. And they did upset your life. But, but it's forgivable. You understand why? It's forgivable. And so when we look at it compared to what the Lord suffered for us. It's very small. It's, we're just fellowshipping in his sufferings a little bit. A little fellowship in them. They're not going to overtake us. They're not going to be final. They're not going to rule our lives. But but we're partaking in that. Because we have to. That's our destiny folks. You can't get beyond Having your share of difficulty in the world, but the Lord said that when when the Lord found out that that man who was owed a little sum did not forgive that debt, He handed threw him in jail and handed him over to the tormentors, and so that's what will happen to us if we refuse to forgive, see, and and stay forgiving you have to set your face in a forgiving mode. You can't look at it and decide if that's too big to forgive, is that too little, is that is that the right size? Do I is that too hard? Is that look at what they eat. Hmm? You can't. You have to forgive. So <clears throat> when when God offered me a lifeline in salvation, he began to bring my memory back to situations where I was helped because I started having panic attacks and I I, I felt like I was suffocating and I would have to leave work and, and I would get home and, and they would subside and then I got fearful and it was, a, it was a, a constant torment constant you don't want that you don't wish that on anybody you don't desire that for anybody I don't care what they've done to you you don't put anybody there and so God, I began to cry out to God, and He began to take me to His Word. He began to remind me uh, that He loved me and that He He could help me. And for the first time in many years, I had hope that I was going to be able to get through this. And so, but every day it was a struggle. It was day by day, clinging to the Word of God, finding different things in God. God reminded me of a woman who had. Talked about her being saved, and God said, That's what I want you to do. You need to pray. And He reminded me that she said she prayed and asked God to save her. And that's what I did. And you all know she comes to our meetings off and on (laughs) to this day. You know, my friend Jerry, and she was the one that shared her testimony in the beauty shop. Half the people made fun of her. I was one of them. But I remembered. So don't be offended. If you go to witness to somebody and they don't want your wonderful salvation <laughs> that you barely enjoy because <laughs> you're so angry huh? I'm telling the truth now, you know we we got to be real here. Sandy Brown said that she said, you know, she said, I, she said, I remember when God finally got me on my self righteousness. She said I was arguing with my husband because he wasn't as spiritual as me. Well, she was a preacher. She said, and I was in the kitchen. I pulled a knife on him. <laughs> Not as spiritual as she is, right? Finally understood what self righteousness is. So God offered me a lifeline in salvation. Gave me his son. And he began to take me to his word. And I remember reading Philippians 4.8. And that was a scripture that I loved and despised. All at the same time. Because when I would read it, it did give me hope. But at the same time I was convicted because I thought I couldn't do there's things you feel you can't do. And that's a lie because you can do all. God never requires something of you that you're unable to do. But see, what happens oftentimes is we want to visit God, but abide in the angry place instead of flipping it. You're supposed to abide in God. And that angry place may try and, and get you every now and then. But you can't give in to it. You understand me. You fight going into that. And so Philippians 4, eight, He says whatsoever things are true and lovely, honest, pure, what a good report. Where there's any virtue, any praise. Think on those things. And I thought God I can't even... <laughs> try to remember if I brush my teeth you know when I got up this morning that kind of stuff and I was just so so full of self-pity but I said I'm going to try to do it and I would force myself to try and think of something that was good and immediately the thought would come to me to push that you can't Push it right out of your mind because this is where you belong. Your life is not good. And when you're better from your depression then you'll be happy. And I found out that in God the reverse is true. You begin to take on the obedience of God to his word. And start to think on things that are good. I remember buying children's books to read. Huh? And I, I was in graduate school last time I was there. I didn't like it, so I left. <laughs> you know, big deal. I mean, I wasn't called to that anyway. But, you know, that's the way I took life sometimes. You know, this ain't right for me. I don't want to write your papers and stuff. <laughs> you know, because the library was full of them. You could go buy one off somebody. I mean, come on. Now, what a What a fraud. so I left but uh, I started to read children's books because they were all happy you do what you got to do you got me you do what you need to do to survive and obey the word and so I would borrow them at the library and I would you know read them and, and pretty soon I was able to cast some things out of my mind that weren't true And then when God would show me scriptures that would bring truth to my soul. I found that I was able to confront these thoughts and get a degree of healing. Not total but a degree of it. So little bit by little bit he began to redeem what the devil had stolen and and debilitated my life. And so I was living for the day when I could get rid of the pills because they were a symbol of my weakness. And they were a symbol that I wasn't quite there yet. And God was able to, to help me get rid of those. Now there were still some things that were issues for me. I know that's a common word now. But we, we don't need issues folks. I mean it's not cute to have issues. Hmm? It's not good to have issues because there are no issues as far as God is concerned. And so God began to work deeper in my heart to resolve conflicts that I had on the inside of me. Because anger had stolen the life from me you know when I was depressed I would I would get up and and I wouldn't think to eat all day long and you know my husband would come home by this time you know we had started to mend our relationship and he would come home and he says well I don't want you to not eat and so I he would sit there make me eat something before he got me the devil will steal the life out of you folks Anger will steal the life out of you. You cannot let that. You can't justify. You can't justify it. It's too damning and too damaging to us. It's not your friend. It's your enemy. So God began to resolve many of these internal conflicts. And then one day <clears throat> I read, into, read in the Bible that what we put in God's hands the enemy could not steal out. I understood enough about the word to understand that my husband was not my enemy. The devil was. And the devil was in my marriage. And he was trying to steal my marriage. And I remember the the night I read that. And I said God I'm going to pray. And I'm going to put my marriage in your hands. And I know the devil can't steal it out. And so I did that by faith. And from that day forward I didn't worry about My marriage anymore. And that was the big tormenting what's going to happen when this is over? What are you going to do? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? All that kind of stuff. And so I began to understand that if you would commit these things, just be obedient to simple instructions in the Word and commit these things to God, that He would take care of them and then He would give you His peace in return. So I had no more internal conflict. No more fear. The devil kept me in fear that I was going to be dumped. And I was going to be divorced. And I had to start all over again. And all, all kinds of things. Insecure thoughts. And God began the process of restoration. But he didn't begin with straightening out my husband. He began by straightening me out. And he began to teach me how to be a woman of virtue not a wife first a woman of virtue first put something on the inside of me that helped me to understand that I wasn't a victim I didn't have to go down with the victims I was never a victim I just perceived it that way so he began to restore my soul and he began to get fragments of my soul back you know from the angry spirit that was angry since i was a kid frustrated because i didn't have the things i thought that children normally need to have now how many people have felt like that every kid feels like they don't have you don't have enough toys you don't have enough candy you don't have enough this you don't have enough that and so i began to look at it as just immature and infantile ways of thinking That I had never matured out of. See there's a way that you can mature and grow beyond where you came from. And I never had that. I stayed stuck where I was. But God was able to grow me up and bring me out. So he made me a woman of virtue. By helping me to understand number one. I have no enemies that I need to fear. Even the devil is under his feet. And so he gives you a courageous heart where you can begin to face things that formally had you under their control and un- under their dominion. So I came out of being fearful of everything and I came into a place of trusting God's word that he could take care of anything that came against my life, my marriage, he could heal my my thoughts, he could heal my broken heart, he began to heal all of these things. But it was a process. It didn't just come overnight. It was a process of trusting God on a daily basis. Not trying to get your healing all at one time so you can run off and waste your life doing something else. But God keeps you in a place where you have to depend on him day to day for the next piece of the puzzle to come together right. And so as as he began the process of restoration and he's still restoring it. You know he's still restoring. There are things that have come up in my life and I think now I should be mad about this but I don't have the energy for it because I know God's going to take care of it so why would I waste my energy see you just go back to those things that you you think to yourself boy if it weren't for God this would really throw me off somewhere but I can get get my bearings I can go through this I can let God be God but then too you've got to stay in faith in things you've got to pray and, and for the outcome to come even though you can see it's coming you still got to watch your confession you still got to pray the word. you still got to keep your perspective right in god because he is yet working on all of us we're going to have situations that are going to cause us pain folks there's pain in the world but he bore our pains you don't have to take it as something that's you know you can't get rid of he bore them and carried them away so we don't have to live as pained people. We don't have to live as hurt people. We don't have to live as rejected people. You know I tell people. You know my husband was tried to reject our marriage. He wasn't rejecting me. He wasn't. He was rejecting our marriage. Because marriage was what he wanted out of. You see a lot of times people take these things personal you know the kids are well you know my dad doesn't want me anymore he just doesn't want the marriage. See the devil has put a red flag up where marriage is concerned. Everybody's trying to avoid it where for most people it was always a lifelong dream but now most people are trying to avoid it. Is something that's negative in life it's going to tie you down you're not going to have any fun you know all this kind of stuff sin and so when people start to reject what god calls holy there's an unrighteousness loose in the earth that wants to tear that down and make it an unholy thing when you see people in churches now uh, marrying people of the same sex as though that's possible under God's covenant of marriage they're trying to make marriage an unholy thing the bible says marriage is honorable it's worthy of honor it's worthy to be held in high esteem so the devil's dragging it down but God allowed me after after the process of healing me and healing my marriage you know marriage is always a work in progress you know you're always getting to know that person you're married to. They have ups and downs. They have changes. In, in the, where they want to go in life. They have ideas. You know always coming home with something new. You know what I'm saying. And so God allowed me to be able to see marriage from his perspective. Which was a tremendous blessing for me. Because I was able to see that that we were together in life as one flesh. And to respect that. Not speak against him. Not try and, and undermine everything that he wanted to do. If he had a dream that he wanted to go forward in life. I was his partner to help him with that. And not pull him back. Man? And, and let God strengthen him and lead him. See? You hear me say let God. Women. We think we can do everything until it comes time to do stuff. And then you know. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies. Man. <laughs> huh? You let God strengthen him. Lead him. Take him to the next step. You don't have to push. You don't have to pull. You don't have to do anything. A man knows how to. Put his feet in front of each other and get where he needs to go. But you have to be a support to that. You have to understand your role and how to support that. And so as God taught me how to be a woman of virtue. You can do this. You don't have to be wondering if the marriage is going to last and do things half heartedly. Because you don't think it's going to. You understand what I'm saying? You can put your whole heart into it. That's the only way you get any reward from God. You have to do things wholeheartedly. You, you can't be half hearted and wondering. Pull back a little bit. Hold back a little bit. I can't really invest myself in this person I'm married to. It's like cutting your own throat. You're not investing in yourself if you don't invest in them. You're not separate anymore. You're one. And so as God began to help me to understand those things. He helped me to understand how to provide an environment that was life giving and nurturing. So you can't have health in a, a a sick environment and so I learned how to worship God in my home and keep the presence of God there and always keep the house clean and keep everything in order and, and understand what my husband liked and provide it. you got me see this is foreign to a lot of people because they're like, I'm not going to do nothing for that well you won't get much hmm? You won't get much. The same thing, husbands with, with wives. You have to provide things for her comfort and for her security. Make her feel secure, huh? Even if you're insecure, you got some you can offer the sister to make her feel like she's worthwhile, huh? So don't be slow in producing that. <laughs> Assume the position. You know, pat them down what you got here to make me feel secure so to speak you got me don't you see I come a long way from somebody who was offended by if he didn't come in and say hi or you know tell me he liked this or like that I was upset see I come a long way I takes what I won't know (laughs) it's a new sheriff in town but you know women of virtue you know I mean their their happiness is not pivotal on those things you got me uh, you don't hold out for them to show you one thing so you know they care some of these brothers take taken and hide it for years if they know you want it that bad come on now <laughs> we're dealing in real life here but you know that that Thought that you can demand something from somebody and it had meaning to it is is nonsense to a person who understands God. So you understand God is a giving God. And he's interested in you giving. And he will see to it in due season that you reap from your giving. Even if it is in your marriage. You might have to sow for a long time into that person's life before you see anything. And by the time you get it, you're over it. <laughs> you know, with God, you know, it's not, it know, not that really doesn't mean that much to me. I thought it did. I thought my happiness depended upon him doing that one little thing, but I found that it doesn't. I made up my mind to go be happy anyhow huh that 's what you do it 's how you live. you live for god you don 't live for man, so God had had work for me to do, and I began to understand the work I was called to, and i couldn 't do it weak, fragile, easily offended, easily hurt. Wanting to quit if somebody you know didn't say the right thing. Or people gave you a hard time. You know pastors get told off more than any people on the face of the earth. Because we have to handle God's word. And people don't want to hear God's word. Man sometimes people don't want you to care about them. You got me? People are pretty messed up in this day and age. But God. And so as as we go through life as believers we will have these challenges but when angry is a familiar place to you you need to make a decision to come out you've got to make a decision to not get comfortable that that's not your habitat that's not your place and you've got to go to God and repent and forgive so that you can come out of that because it will take your life folks it'll take your mind it'll take your health It will take everything. That is not for you. That is from hell. And that is not for the believer. Amen. Father we thank you for understanding. We thank you Lord for blessing us. To understand these principles Father. Forgiveness as a principle of life. Not holding on to anything. Any offense Father. We release the offense. We let it go. We let it go. While we all pray, and i'm going to get you to pray a a prayer of of forgiveness and a prayer of repentance and release, because <clears throat> I'm believing that these things are are not foreign to all of us. They they're common to all of us. I know some of us have had uh, many uh, hurts and things like that in our past, but God wants to heal them. You know, you you saved so long, you should be healed. But if you're not, you know, you can get healed if you don't know how to hold on to that healing. And and walk in peace and walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit because you're a peaceful person. And not a person who's disturbed in their mind and a mindful of turmoil. Then, then you can get rid of that. So we'll just pray a prayer of release and, and letting go of things. You know, offenses, hurts, things you've been denied. Things that are stolen from you and things that you feel that are unfair to you. We need to understand that these things are common to all humanity. We haven't been singled out. God is still our God. But we need to hold on to him and let go of this nonsense. So you can pray after me. Father God, I thank you that I understand that anger is not for me. And I ask you to forgive me for nursing this anger. For holding on to it. For trying to justify it. And holding on to make myself feel superior. To somebody I feel who has offended me. And Father I ask you. To forgive me. And I repent. And send repentance to me Lord. Do a deep work in my heart and my soul to root out that which does not edify to root out that that does not bless and to root out that which causes fellowship to be broken because you have called me to power and love and a sound mind and I receive that from you and I thank you for your covenant of peace That will never be taken away from me. Now thank you for it Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father I thank you. That we are coming now under your umbrella of forgiveness. That we are forgiving all that we have anything against. Father I thank you that we will not nurse these spirits and these fears and these emotions. Because they hinder our relationship with you. Lord I thank you for a fullness in our relationship with you. I thank you Lord also for love and fellowship one with another. And I bless you for it. I praise you for it. I lift you up Lord and magnify you because you're so good to us. Taking all of this away Lord. Taking all of this away Father. And I thank you for it Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 if anybody needs prayer you can come